So I'm going to start us off with a question. So, and, the, and a question doesn't work unless there's responses. So this is, requires response from people. Otherwise, it just won't work, right? So we'll have some time to like think about it. But what are the qualities of an ideal church? What are the qualities of an ideal church? <laughs> and it doesn't have to be, it could be like some people think, right? It doesn't have to be like Sunday school answer necessarily. <laughs> there are those who think the ideal church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Acceptance, okay. That's good. Community outside of Sundays. Community outside of Sundays. Freedom to be yourself, but also like encouragement to grow. Freedom to be yourself, but encouragement to grow. Outreach. Outreach. marginalized populations and communities. Potluck. I think we need to bring it back. (laughs) Welcome then and be comfortable. Okay. Worship. This actually makes me happy because this is like, wow, there, there are things uh, in, that we naturally value in this community that just are really good. I think genuineness, welcoming, acceptance. If I were to ask this question, what, is the, what are the qualities of ideal church to the greater Christian church-going population? I think answers might be different because some people, you know, you've heard of things like church shopping and uh, consumerism is often rampant and churches and what we, why we go to church and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of those, a lot of responses may, and if we were maybe honest with ourselves too, when we were looking for churches or starting to think about churches um, that we might attend, um, are based around preferences, right? Like there's a certain style of worship. I mean, if I went to a church that only sang hymns with a pipe organ, I probably would not be comfortable. I would like, uh, this isn't for me, right? So to a certain extent, I need contemporary music. I need guitar. I need a beat, right? I need, you know, amplification of some sort. Um, A certain, probably maybe even a certain pace. Like if they're all ballads, I'm like falling asleep. I need some upbeat. You know, I'm a man. I need drive in my songs. (laughs) Stuff like that. Or, Or preaching. Maybe people are like, I need expository preaching. That means verse by verse, right? Breaking down each verse of the Bible. And other people would be like, I can't stand expository preaching. Keep that for the seminaries and 
give me topical preaching, preaching that really relates to what's going on in my life, like raising kids, finances, you know, dating, whatever, you know, I need things that are really relevant and don't, you know, I don't need all the Greek in the background of the passage. Other people are like, I need, I love the hour and a half long, hours long sermons. I need that. I need that hard hitting, like hour long sermons. Most people are like 20 minutes or give me a 10 minute homily, right? That, or actually I want a church that is mostly like reading and prayer and liturgy and less preaching. Um, I need a church that is a strong on small groups and these small groups do intense book studies and uh, male accountability groups, right? Where we challenge each other and keep and call each other out and we're honest with each other. I need a more organic church where uh, less programmatic and it's more kind of family oriented. I'm familiar, it's smaller. I need a big church with programs that, you know, a great children's ministry program. They're doing huge things in the community and giving a lot of money away so I can feel the part that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Um, so there's all of these preferences uh, that, that make up kind of what are the qualities of ideal church. And we ask these, a lot of these questions. You know, they say that the church is the most, uh, 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated time in the United States. Perhaps it's our preferences that actually make diversity a hard thing in the church, right? What we say are the gospel, or this is what a church is, because this is how I grew up. This is like gospel, may actually be shadowed by culture, right? Enculturated, like this is culture. I like gospel music, that's, of course, well, that's culture. I like hymns, that there's culture, it's enculturated. And so perhaps our preferences are actually the things that um, create barriers uh, among people in the church. So what I wanted to talk about today from our passage is what were the qualities of the Acts 2 church? Because in context, this is in Acts 2, this is the church that's being birthed, right? Jesus has risen. He's ascended into heaven. He leaves his disciples with a promise and a message, right? A mission. He says, wait here in Jerusalem until the promised spirit comes and the spirit will empower you. And when you're, once you're empowered, you'll become my witnesses, right? Here in Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth, right? Mission, right? He gives them instructions and he gives them a mission and a vision. Then in Acts, the beginning of Acts 2, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit that was promised comes and all these signs and wonders happen and people are like amazed because they're blessed by the Holy Spirit and they're speaking tongues and whatnot. Uh, they're speaking in their heart or they're understanding in their heart language and Peter takes the opportunity, this is last week, to give a sermon to give context to what just happened. And the context is that Jesus died and was rose again and rose again and ascended just as the scriptures talked about. And that he that this happened makes all the difference, right? Makes all the difference for your lives 
And then secondly, what you just saw here today, the Holy Spirit going nuts in this place, that, right, that is um, a fulfillment of a prophecy as well. It's God's promised Holy Spirit that will come and empower you. And Peter uses Joel chapter 2, which talks about the unleashing of the Spirit among the people. And um, furthermore, it points to this kind of idea of restoration, right? The restoration and renewal of God, of the remnant of God's people, right? So this, actually, the people standing on this day and the church beginning to form and have its inception is actually the house of Israel rising again, the spirit empowering. It's the dry bones rising up, right? It's the dry bones rising up. God in his promise and his fulfillment is sending his Holy Spirit to breathe life into a new people, a new community that will be his church. And so the church becomes the new God's people. Are you with me? And then we remember after Peter's sermon, everyone is cut to the heart, right? They're convicted and they say, what should we do now? What should we do now? And uh, he says, repent change your lives, and let's get baptized, right? And at the end of that passage, it says that 3,000 people were added, right? Were converted and added to their community that day. And so then Paul, uh, I should say Luke, the writer of Luke and Acts, then gives a summary. So Acts 2, 42 through 47 is a summary, which he gives a few summaries throughout Acts, kind of like summarizing, and they did this and this, and God added to their number. And they continued to do this and this, and God added to their number. And so this is the first kind of summary in Acts. The believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. And then it ends, the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. So I wanted to just break down Um, this short passage because I think it's insight into the inner workings of the community, the church that's forming. What are the qualities of the Acts 2 church? And some commentators and kind of scholars discuss or debate, like, is this an idyllic community? Did this actually happen or is Luke just writing about some Christian ideal? And, And they compare it to Hellenistic writings, Greek writings in the day of koinonia or community. And even Greek writers would talk about how the ideal community, the utopian society, would be where everyone sold everything, didn't have personal ownership, and shared thing, held things in common. And so this was even seen as the ideal friendship, where people share uh, commonly their possessions. And so, um, Some scholars say that this is an example of uh, Paul using that tradition and saying this this Christian community was actually living that out. So it was like a utopian. Um, Other people think they did this. They actually did this. Like the first Christian church, the earliest Christian church was actually the most pure, right, church. And then we all like disintegrated. We all like are reiterations, corrupted iterations of that, right? Um, But I think whenever you have an ideal or whenever you have this picture, we should pay attention because 
I think it's something that we should strive to emulate or strive to be like, oh, this is something that is good and this is something that's uh, marked by God. This is something that we should be, that we should try to be. Maybe we need to contextualize for our modern day um, or kind of translate or figure out, um, but these are good things. And so what were the qualities of the Acts 2 church? And the first thing is that they were all about the proscarterio, not prosciutto. They're all about the proscarterio. Um, and this is translated, this is a Greek verb um, that can be translated as steadfastness, right? They were, in our passage, they use the word devoted. They devoted themselves. But this devotion is like a hardcore commitment, even in the face of hardship, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of like hard times, you continue to do this. You continue to be committed to this, right? So it's this demo, de, devotion, but also there's a sense of it's not an individual devotion. Like I am proscoterio to my, you know, daily devotions. I am committed and devoted to my personal, you know, reading. It's a community. There's a sense of community. Like they are doing, they're committed together. They're unified in their devotion to the apostles' teaching to community, to shared meals, and to their prayers. So I kind of define it as communal grit, communal steadfastness, communal devotion, right? They held, they were single-minded in their commitment to these things, to this way. These were the people of the way. And so they were committed corporately and together to the way. And the second thing is, um, taking the word proscarterio, and I'm, they devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles are teaching, and they're teaching in homes, right? They're teaching in, uh, usually they met in the homes of wealthy people, wealthy patrons of the Christian faith. Uh, they were opening their homes, and they're having these little almost house church house churches. And this is happening all in Jerusalem up to now. The first nine chapters of Acts is focused on the expansion of the church in Jerusalem. And then 10, we get to hear, we get the inklings of ministry to the Gentiles coming in, the Gentiles coming into the church. But up until this point, it's in Jerusalem to Jewish people. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which the NIV says, the breaking of bread. And the word here is artos. And yes, it's sharing of meals, but there's a, uh, there's a deeper sense, a more specific sense of a ritual communal meal. So if you remember Jesus' last supper with the disciples, right? He told them, do this. He broke his bread, broke the body, did the Eucharist. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Like every time you get together, do this. And so this was a sign of the community of baptism to have these ritual meals where they remembered um, the Jesus' Last Supper, where they remembered communion. They basically had communion, but it's not like us, we, we stand in line and like dip stuff during worship. It's more, they ate meal together, right? So they did share a meal, but it was also this ritual remembrance, commemora meal of commemoration. 
Um, so they devoted themselves to uh, the Christ meal. And then there's this sense in verse 43, a sense of awe came over everyone. So in this, one of the qualities in this community is that people are beginning to feel awe. Like something's happening. God is at work. Right? There's a stirring in everyone's heart. Not only are they doing these actions together that unify them, there's also a kindred spirit, right? There's a moving in their hearts that they're holding in common. And the word for awe here is phobos, right? And what do you think of when you hear phobos? Yeah, phobia, fear. And, and so it is, uh, the word is translated fear and awe, right? Not pho boss, right? I'm the boss of pho. <laughs> but, but it's fear and awe. Right? Much like when people, we've talked about when people have talked to angels or the angels have brought messages. They trembled in fear, but they worshiped in awe. Just this like roller coaster ride. Like, oh my gosh, this is out of my control. This is crazy. I'm afraid. Yet it's kind of exciting. It makes me want, it's something bigger than me. And so I'm in awe. I want to worship that. Phobos. It's a great word. It's fear and awe at the same time. Um, so it's the kind of fear of the Lord. When you hear a fear of the Lord in scripture, it's not like God is this abusive, angry, raging person that we should, just, we, people just fear. Like we don't want to look them in the eye. It's more, right? We're in awe of God because he's so powerful and so outside of us that, oh my gosh, I'm trembling. Um, and then the next thing is that they were radical sharers. 44, it says, all the believers were united and, and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them, Right? And later on in Acts, it talks about to the, those who had gave, right? There's like a community pile, and it, the items were given to those who had need, so that no one wanted. And you look at this, and it's like, oh, man, this cannot happen today. Right? People sold everything. They shared you know, what they had with those who needed. At some point, isn't that system going to break down because greed is going to take, take effect. And we'll also read in Acts that, yes, things do break down and sin enters the picture. People get greedy, right? People have their own agendas. And we begin to see that the church begins to wrestle with what it means to organize themselves more. But right now, it's not kind of like an institution yet. It's not a program, this, this church, this growing church. It's just this organic, like, outflowing of their conviction, right? The initial conviction and repentance and saying, we want to live our lives this way. We believe that Jesus was Savior and Lord. And out of this conviction and belief and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are, this is what was flowing out. We share our things. We're generous. We give to those who need. And... Um, so they were radical sharers. And then the next thing, joyful 
simple and praising God. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. So not only did they do kind of the communion ritual eating, they also just every day hung out with each other and ate in their homes. I think someone mentioned hanging community beyond Sunday, like meeting with each other at other times of the week. And this is a hard one, right? For us in our kind of segregated lives, like segmented lives, and even families are becoming more nuclear, right? In the past, we had more extended families, aunts and uncles in one household. Now we are nuclear families or we're, you know, uh, more individualized. And so a sense of isolation is greater in our kind of culture today, in our society today, um, that the idea of, hey, as a church, let's hang out every day. If I was like, let's hang out every day, you'd be like, uh, give me some space, bro. I'm like, come on, you're my pastor, but I don't want to see you every day. Um, but this kind of points to their devotion. They loved each other, and they were single-minded they ate together, right? And um, it says they met together in the temple. And this is an important point. Like the early Christians were not like uh, a new religion per se. They still went around into the temples and received teaching. So it, was, it came out of uh, the Jewish Judaism, right? Christianity flowed out of Judaism and they were still kind of faithful Jews. Um, listening to the apostles' teaching uh, about Jesus. Um, so they met together, they hung out together, and this joy, the sense of gladness, just happy people, right? There's, there's joy in their hearts. They shared food together with gladness and simplicity, with simple hearts. Um, other translations, simple hearts. Um, and simple hearts means kind of undivided, right? I kind of take it to mean like there's no drama, right? There's no competition. There's no like, I'm not getting what I want. It's just simple, right? We're among friends and I don't have to worry about anything. I just can be me because um, no one's putting on airs. We're not worried about what, who has what, the riches or lack of riches. Right? We are just sharing our food together. We just are going to McDonald's and eating Happy Meal and fries and cheeseburgers. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? We're not at a fancy restaurant. Just simple. We're being minimalists. And so we're able to appreciate uh, one another. <clears throat> and 47, they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. They praised God. They worshiped God. They expressed their joyful response of God, right? Everything, and it's interesting, the more simple our hearts are or the more simple our lives are, I think the closer we are, the easier it is for us to praise God. When our hearts and our lives are more complicated, or if you're like me, when I'm worried about whatever drama I'm having or who, who snubbed me, you know, or what I don't have or what other people have. When 
or my relationships that aren't going well, or what, why did they say that to me the other day? When I'm more worried about that, it's hard for me to be grateful, to be joyful, and to worship, right? To praise God, because my heart is burdened by what I need, you know, what I don't have, what I lack, rather than simply open and thankful for what I do have and what God is doing. Amen? Joyful, simple, and praising God. They were hobbits, right? They were hobbitses. They lived joyful, simple lives in the Shire. They just ate together, right? They weren't corrupted by the fires of Mordor and the ring of, ring of power. Power did not, hadn't corrupted them, right? They just had a simple life, thank of gratefulness and sharing with one another. Those are the qualities of the Acts 2 church. And out of this, the last part is that they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. Like, what does that mean? They demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. So as they're living their lives, they're going out into Jerusalem, they're going to their jobs or their call of vocations or whatever it is, kids are out playing they're demonstrating the goodness that they're experiencing in this community they're demonstrating all the things that they are thankful to God about they're demonstrating their praise of God to everyone and so basically that means that they're giving witness they're being God's witness just as Jesus said you will be my witnesses they are being witnesses to everyone around them of the gospel the good news um, God is good. God is loving. We love each other, and it's a good life. And I think you should experience this goodness too. And so they're sharing this goodness. They're sharing with other people outside of them, and it's attracting people. Right? The Lord added daily to the community those who are being saved. And Luke Timothy Johnson, in his Acts commentary, wrote that, this community was attractive right to the normal common person um, who maybe didn't know christ or you know were coming across this community it was attractive it was countercultural, and it was a joyful community and people when they saw this community like they're kind of weird but it's attractive I, I feel welcomed by them and they're joyful, like why are they smiling and singing hymns? So we're starting a uh, series, we're gonna be starting a series on the Renew's vision and mission. And uh, hopefully this will go through the summer and uh, you may hear from different speakers. Uh, but uh, Claire, Christy, and I hung out got together and to talk about uh, re new language for Renew's vision and mission because one of the reasons I asked uh, the stewardship team to that we do this uh, and find people that to help me bring clarity to the vision uh, because if you if I were to ask the normal person in this room or around Renew what's the vision of Renew and people would say either go, um, I don't know, community <laughs> or like, 
we love the marginalized or you know we're about renewing we're nice to people uh or they would point to the dream statement but if i were to say could you recite the renewed dream statement it's like a huge paragraph on our, it takes up a whole web page like page on our website and you'd be like uh we dream to the redo uh, i don't know something about neighborhoods and i don't know right it's like a manifesto right and uh <laughs> which is nice to have like tucked away in your like record somewhere but in terms of kind of just saying this is what we're about and every day or every sunday being able to say renew is about you know being renewed by god for the renew of our neighborhoods right isn't that like oh that's really simple and repeatable and it it has our name in it right that's why we're called renew because we want to be renewed by god ourselves so then we can turn and be a part of god renewing people around us just like in this acts community they praised god they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they were fed literally fed by breaking bread together but also spiritually and mentally fed by devoting themselves to apostles teaching and to praying and to community and then they were turning in gratitude and praising god and demonstrating god's love to everyone and so that's what it means when we say renewed by god for the renewal of our neighborhoods because god first loves us because he's about making the dead things alive in our lives in our hearts restoring and renewing us we're so grateful the re- the appropriate response to that the most natural response is what praise worship first and then to want to share that with everyone to want to bring that same renewal right to everyone around us to demonstrate God's goodness to everyone and that's what the people in acts were doing we're renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods we are what are we we're relational right and part of being relational is we like to be an authentic community where everyone belongs right when someone comes into our community they're not going to feel like oh my gosh i don't fit in here or there's no way i can i can be in this place cuz i don't have this i'm not x or i'm not y right we belong and there's a realness right about how we struggle how we open up our lives to one another there's an openness secondly we're passionate about justice particularly regarding the marginalized refugee and immigrants right i think that's a shared i think that's a given right in each of our hearts there's some element of justice god jesus is about loving others loving the marginalized loving the poor and we our hearts break for what breaks in god's hearts and thirdly we value diversity right we desire to be multi-ethnic intergenerational and we encourage diversity of backgrounds within our leadership so on our leadership team teams we in the past and currently we've had single people married people married people without kids engaged people um asian white women men 
we've had women speak to us. We've had men speak to us. Right? There's not one voice coming forth, leading out. Um, and we, we're the type of community, I think, that would stop and listen. If a child spoke up right now and said, I actually think God is saying, la, 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 la. We'd actually be like, oh, what? <laughs> we'd actually listen. <laughs> we're that type of community. And we value kind of the voices. We value uh, the diversity. And then finally, our dream is for all in North Seattle and beyond to experience the grace and mercy of God and to be transformed into the image of God. We believe we are blessed to bless others. And so we strive to bless the greater North Seattle community in tangible ways. This early church had a vision and they're beginning to kind of rise into their mission live out their mission, um, but it begins with one, Jesus, the gospel, like that Jesus came and died for us and that he's risen again and that there is a Holy Spirit that's empowering us, right, to be his people, is transforming us, is working in us, making us one body in Christ, and then this Holy Spirit is sending us out to share God's love, right? And every church's mission and vision is basically the same, right? It's love God and love people, right? And you may have specific strategies and, and values that are kind of like highlighted, but it's because God first loved us, we're gonna go and love. And, and this is, my challenge to us is how can we right, be, live into being church, right? Like there's a seed that's being planted and God is wanting to blow into us and move us out, outward into becoming more fully who we are. And yeah, it starts from our togetherness um, that we can go out into otherness. Amen? Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for who we are, who you've been making us, how you've been building us up. And we give you praise and thanks. And uh, we hold this ideal, this vision, this picture of the early church. And we think about what it means to come into touch with that, to go back to the basics, to... Uh, become more devoted, become more uh, steadfast, to become more faithful in teaching, in learning, and sharing with one another, and breaking bread together, and having a sense of awe when, uh, of the things that you're doing in the world together, of being united, of sharing our resources to one another, to sharing our needs, if we have a need, to share our needs with one another, um, and to also give um, in the ways that you have blessed us to give to one another as others have need. I pray that we can do this with more devotion, more steadfastness, more commitment, more grit, um, and I pray that our, our commitment um, would rise, you would rise the fervor and heat um, 
and fire in this place for building up uh, your church. Um, that you would raise the fervor of the people in this room. And we need your help to do that. In your name we pray. Amen.